Welcome to Shaping Healthcare, a podcast by Sidious Tech. Some of the great minds in the world are constantly striving to solve the healthcare industry's greatest challenges with technology, creativity, and agility. With every episode of the Shaping Healthcare podcast, we will take you deeper into the world of healthcare and life sciences and give you a perspective into what it takes to build a human-first, technologically-enabled healthcare world. I'm your host, Laurel Rockle. Joining us today is Dr. Niha Kenwar, the current Assistant Vice President at Sidious Tech. Niha has garnered over 17 years of substantial experience in the healthcare and life sciences sector, dedicating her expertise to ensuring a successful digital journey towards the healthcare of the future. Before her ongoing tenure at Sidious Tech, Niha has held leadership roles at Atos Intel, contributing significantly to the life sciences practice and strategic marketing. With a solid background in both pre-sales and delivery, she has been instrumental in managing end-to-end go-to marketing strategies, showcasing a profound effect in sales growth and marketing penetration. We also have John Janney Jr. with us, a seasoned transformational healthcare marketing, operations, and technology senior executive. John currently leads as the executive practice leader at Fluid Edge Consulting, a Sidious Tech company where he spearheads transformative consulting engagements with C-suite executives of premier healthcare companies. With an illustrious career, John has earlier served as the SVP of Transformation at Independence Blue Cross and AmeriHealth Administrators, managing multiple divisions and leading an $80 million strategic project that significantly enhanced healthcare BPO capability. His expertise lies in orchestrating operational efficiency, process design, and technology integration, making substantial strides in healthcare transformation. Niha and John, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Lara. Look forward to it. Yeah, look forward to having a great conversation with you both today and bringing your experience and your expertise to this conversation. And, And with that, as we embark in a discussion on generative AI, I want to start with the vision and have that be the backdrop here for a moment. And for each of you, what do you see as the overarching vision for generative AI in really redefining the healthcare landscape, especially when it comes to a payvider perspective? Niha, we'll start with you. Sure. Thank you, Laurel. So from the payvider perspective, generative AI holds tremendous potential. First and foremost, the technology itself has the potential to not only understand, generate, but also learn from complex healthcare data. There are three kinds of impacts that I primarily see from the payvider perspective. First is in terms of automation, wherein the software has a capability of automating tasks which were difficult to automate in the past. Secondly, in terms of acceleration of the overall life cycle, In terms of the innovation that any provider is going after, it accelerates and shortens the process of innovation. And thirdly, in terms of augmentation, which brings in the human productivity aspect, which generative AI holds tremendous potential of augmenting. Now, as you see the payer life cycle, it has potential impacts across the entire life cycle. Right from when payvider would want to market sales product, generative AI helps bring in the content generation piece of it wherein it helps generate personalized marketing campaigns or personalized information. 
any kind of communication that needs to be happen between the providers as well as a member or the patient is highly personalized in this case. Next, moving to the contract generation piece of it, wherein generative AI plays a big role in terms of analyzing, understanding the past contracts and generating new contracts for providers, which is again a big area of impact. Moving on to the middle office aspect, whether it is medical coding or clinical reviews, coming in from the eligibility as well as the prior authorization aspects, wherein there is a lot of summarization of medical information that is required from the patient documents. It also helps clinical reviewers in assessing those documents as well as providing those right recommendations, whether these are medical necessity information or whether the, the authorization needs to go through or not. It again goes ahead and compares with payer guidelines in terms of recommending whether the authorization should be denied or whether you know the authorization should go through. There's also clinical coding assistance capability that it can provide for around the clinical documentation pieces, wherein it helps the administrative task in assigning those right codes. It also helps evaluate unstructured data from medical documentation of patients and helps recommend the right codes to be assigned or the right charges to be done for a particular patient documentation. Moving to the back office functions, wherein it not only helps call center operations, but it also helps administrative staff in claims adjudication, whether it's management of claims, or any kind of validation if the claim information is correctly present within the documents and also recommending whether the claims can be approved or denied. The denial management piece is another area with where Chennai can play a big role from the payvider's perspective. Understanding what would be the possible or root causes of denial, it goes one step ahead from where the regular AI technology helps in terms of building and information from prefed models or machine learned models to deep learning as well as neural networks that GenAI utilizes and hence the entire provider value chain has a big impact. Right from not only improving the experience of an administrative staff, but you also the overall experience from the provider peer as well as the patient perspective is where generative AI holds big potential today. You use the word tremendous and tremendous it is. That sounds like a lot of value and a lot of a huge role that it really could have in that perspective. That's beautiful. John, what, what are your thoughts on that? So, Laurel, what I'm struck by, I think back over my third-year career as an executive in health plans, of course, pay providers are merely hospital-owned health plans. And if I had a dollar for every time some technology firm came in and said this, is going to revolutionize healthcare. It's going to change everything about our jobs. I'd be a very wealthy man. The reality though is this one really could revolutionize healthcare. And let me explain why. Part of the challenges with the technologies that have come before is that they really depended on structured data and the ability to get data in a format then be consumed. The promise of AI to me is that we all recognize the complexity of healthcare. We all recognize that it uses masses of massive amounts of information and data and connection points, far more than a human brain can possibly process at any given time. But where AI now offers the opportunity 
of real change is that it will take unstructured data. It will take that unstructured data, find a way to understand that data, and then create the connection points that heretofore were really, really difficult to do. And, you know, as Nia pointed out, in all of the various areas of the health plan's operation, you know, front, middle, back office, that all of those areas have that as a core problem they're trying to solve. Now, all is not easy, right? Because even though these tools can take unstructured data, what every executive has to be thinking about is, well, what am I teaching my new capability? Is my unstructured data accurate? Or will that unstructured data in and of itself yield results that are suboptimal? And this is where there's a significant opportunity for plans to make an investment and say, you know what, we're really going to leverage and embrace these new technologies and new capabilities, but we're going to do it with an eye towards making sure we're feeding it the right, the most accurate information that we can provide. Absolutely. I think, well, I mean, AI, artificial intelligence, I think there's sometimes this thought from some people that, well, in addition to just the hype around it, of course, there's that thought process of, it's almost like a human brain, but it's only as good as the information that you're putting into it, as you mentioned. And that data that goes in is, I mean, all your results are dependent on the data that's going into it. And I'm so glad you bring that up because it's obviously a, a very, very, very important aspect to think about. And how can we guarantee like the data that we're putting into these AI models, especially when we're looking at health benefits, provider data is of the highest quality? Well, guarantees hard, right? Because you probably can't guarantee, but what you can do is put the right level of focus and programs in place that validate what you're feeding your artificial intelligence. But I always go a level above that. If I were working with a client that was a pay provider and they said, John, we have all these firms coming in and pitching to us the next great AI solution for our company. How do I evaluate that? What do I do with that? I'd say, the good news is it really starts with evaluating what are you trying to do? What's the problem you're trying to solve, right? What is your end vision that you have for this? And that vision has nothing to do with AI. That vision is just your vision, right? So you might say, look, my vision is I want to significantly improve the quality of the information that I provide to members or providers who contact me on the phone. Great, we can work with that. We can figure out how the data that you need to provide to that will provide repetitive or uh, consistent, not repetitive, but consistent answers to the various questions or problems that are presented to you. And we can also make sure that you're using tools like AI in the right way. 
just to add laurel in terms of the data quality which is of primary importance for any generative ai model to get those kind of output that the organization is looking at the quality of data has to be without any gaps without any standard formats as well as diverse in terms of capturing the kind of population that the model is going to be trained for or ensure that the data used for that particular ai model is diverse and representative of that patient population so this offering stems from the fact that there are gaps in the data or the data is skewed so all those can be avoided if we take data which is diverse as well as maintain the quality of data that's the primary starting point for any gen ai solution to be gotten to into a provider or payer organization and secondly in terms of developing that entire model we need to have some ethical guardrails also in place in terms of following phi or those regulatory standards that are required for any kind of solution whether it's hipaa hitec or any local data privacy and regulatory guidelines that need to be followed so most of the providers that we see today are investing in solutions which are medium to high impact kind of areas those are the ones which are of target which would be the right data which would have the right data to be supported for and to basically implement within the organization i add to that but if you think about the fact that again as i said earlier perfection is not what you're after because it's too expensive and so don't think of these new capabilities as capabilities that will replace our need to think or our need for a uh, skilled people think the term i like to use is think of them as copilots they're copilot with you they're allowing you to have access to information that today you could probably had an hour to research and pull it all together and organize it in an effective way you could answer the question in the same way but the beauty of something like a well designed ai is that that's giving you that information in a few seconds So now you're in a position to basically do what would have taken you hours and hours, maybe a day of research and design and planning and layout to basically effectively answer a question. You're you're presenting that. Now you may filter some of that and say this doesn't apply. Maybe this is not the the answer that uh, is most effective, but it can be a really powerful aid to helping you do your job. generative ai is coined as a trusted ally whether it's a provider or a payer or any kind of admin staff such as a call center agent it's an ally to them and replacement of humans is nearly impossible even with generative ai coming because the kind of validation of the output that needs to be coming in specifically from the healthcare perspective because healthcare is an industry so regulated and so patient centric that the validation of the output is much required and that is where this technology has tremendous potential i love the analogy of the copilot i think that's great i've used uh, the analogy of like a toolbox before and i think i like the copilot better <laughs> i like that one but i really love that example of the copilot and i think that is a really important analogy for people to hear because i think there is that maybe a little bit of that panic or worry of there's replacing that's happening or people getting replaced by machines or the by computers and i think it's when we look at it as a tool as a copilot as an ally as you mentioned to help our jobs and help make us more efficient in what we're doing and faster i think that's a 
huge and very transformational way of looking at it. So, and so I kind of want to rewind a little bit here. I want to kind of present to you a big burning question of the day here. And that is that healthcare costs are going up. They have steadily been rising over the years in, in the United States and is affecting both health insurance companies and also the consumers. Just it's more expensive all around. And so we've definitely talked about it a little bit, but what role does generative AI have to play here? What solution can it help solve in this problem or bring to this problem? Well, from my perspective, when we talk about the high cost of healthcare, obviously there's a lot of opportunity to point fingers. We can say, hey, the health insurance companies have made the process onerous and difficult, and therefore they build administrative costs that is unnecessary in the process. We can point to the government and say, with this sheer amount of regulations and the different regulations from state to state, they've driven costs into the system. And we can point the finger at the health providers to say, you know, whether it's a drug company or a physician or a hospital system, that they're charging too much for their services. And all of those, frankly, are legitimate topics. When I think about it, though, from and where AI, I think, really shares promise, certainly it can help on the healthcare side with the 10% of cost that is tied to administration that can help reduce that down. But where I really think the value is going to come in is if you consider the fact that a John Hopkins study identified that about 250,000 deaths occur every year in the United States due to medical mistakes. These are not bad doctors, bad nurses. These are just, you're dealing with tons and tons of things that can go wrong and, and not and imperfect information being available to them at the point of treatment, sometimes not sufficient time to really reflect as to what's the best course of action. That's a lot of cost. That's a lot of bad outcome in the system. And if you accept those numbers from Hopkins, that they are accurate and that they're sort of the best I think, study that's, that's available right now on that point. The next question would be, and how many situations occur where the patient is actually affected? Maybe they aren't killed, but they wind up having to stay longer in the hospital. They wind up being sicker and unable to go back to work for longer, et cetera, because of a mistake. And that's where I see the potential for AI Get back to that point as co-pilot. They're not going to replace the doctor. Nobody wants to just go to Google AI and say, please prescribe what surgery I'm supposed to have. They want a real human that basically is providing that feedback. But that now provides tools. And going back to your analogy of toolkit and toolbox, it provides a whole series of new tools, diagnostic tools to that physician that will provide, hopefully, more consistent experiences and more consistent answers to the medical problems that are facing people. 
just to add laurel another point out there is if you see the american population today the key problem or the key challenge that most of the providers or providers are facing is in terms of the aging american population and the chronic diseases that follow it and that's a huge burden to the government in terms of the medicare population that need they need to cater to that's where gen ai kind of solutions come in with very personalized kind of approach to analyze the patient risk levels to understand the patient as a whole in terms of not only his uh, medical data but data from unstructured sources social determinants of health data as data from his past history or the past hospitalizations that he's undergone comorbidity data understanding the patient as a whole as well as categorizing those patients into the right risk category providing those personalized in- interventions with the tools as john mentioned is where gen ai is going to play a big role also in terms of the behavioral health piece which is again a big area from the specialties which is causing a big burden on us healthcare virtual assistants which are generative ai fed virtual assistants which will provide very personalized kind of assistance to these patients for any kind of queries you know so the 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 agent would pick and pick up data based on the patient's medical condition and it would provide those specific answers you know the, the kind of contextual search or the human like conversations that can happen with a generative ai tool holds great essence for the healthcare and the challenges in terms of the cost that providers today face that is a very good point that you bring up yeah i mean that baby boomer generation is in air quotes their aging population and there are just naturally a lot of changes that happen within the body and one's health and during over that course of time and yes that absolutely brings a specific challenge to healthcare systems that would be another area of expertise i could speak to we have a very uh multi experience here going on today this is great we can bring a lot to the conversation and uh, i think it's just to dive a little bit deeper into that i like that you did point out some of these misconceptions about AI replacing humans and things like that and you know what do you i guess i should say just a little more into that you know what are some of those primary misconceptions that people might have those knee jerk reactions about and maybe be more hesitant in trying to adopt some of this this gen AI into their systems well again i mean i think it all goes back to we all grew up watching terminator right we don't want the machines to take over the world but there are legitimate concerns because just like we don't want a physician today to diagnose us by going to google and saying what is this disease right that would be a little uncomfortable to know that that's how our doctor prescribes medicine to us Well think of AI as sort of the next generation of that, right? We really want to make sure that there are thinking, trained, skilled people that are leveraging these tools and capabilities. And I heard somebody talk about AI and thought it was a, it was a really interesting point. They said, look, it's not going to be so much about AI is going to replace the need for people. It's going to be and again this is a generalized statement some jobs may not be needed to the same extent you know some more simplistic jobs may not be needed to the same extent in the future. But what they said is it's really going to come down to there'll be two groups of people. 
those who know how to do their jobs with AI and those who don't. And those who don't know how to do their jobs with AI will be at a distinct disadvantage. And that's what I would be encouraging people who are just starting their careers out and saying, hey, you're going to have a career. Yes, you're going to have a career, but it's going to look a little bit different. And so understanding how to leverage these capabilities and tools is critical. And that's a very important point that John gets in the primary collaboration that would be required between the human and the AI. So as to differentiate or understand what are the tasks that AI will be doing and where is a human intervention that would be needed in terms of validating the output that is going to be of primary importance. So in terms of training of the staff as to what would be your role or you know, how your role will be enhancing with AI coming in. So it is not the elimination of the jobs, but making the jobs more efficient as well as you know supporting the jobs at the right time. And this raises a whole other series of challenges if you think about it, the whole plan executive is based with. So, okay, I've got all of this great data, claims data, enrollment data, demographic, psychographic data about the patient that I'm treating. It's not as simple as saying, oh, well, let, well let's just feed all of that data into chat GPT and now I have a tool I can use because there's a lot of privacy concerns that you have with that data. So, Companies are, are still, to this day, struggling with or trying to catch up with what types of controls do we need to put in place so that our patient's data is protected and not made more widely available in ways that it shouldn't be. And if we have methodologies that are unique to our particular uh, health system or company, what do we need to do to ensure that those don't find their way out in the public and we devalue what is the special sauce or the secret sauce that we bring to what we do? And so companies have not solved this yet. They're still thinking through it. And Niha, maybe you could speak a little bit to some of the things that you've seen us do, health plans who are very, very sensitive about PHI data making it out to the public. Exactly. And John brings up a very important point in terms of the quality of the output, validating the output that AI is generating. Now, there are quality, data quality frameworks that have been put together to analyze the quality, whether the model is hallucinating, whether there are fallacies in terms of the output that is being generated. And there are layers of these quality outcomes at the source of data itself, whether the data quality is at standards or at par, with what the model needs to be trained on, whether the model that is being trained is generating the right kind of output or not. There are quality checks that are put in place once the model is trained in terms of whether the model is hallucinating, how do we eliminate those hallucinations or how do we eliminate those kind of errors once the model is in the test environment? So it's an entire process of quality checks that would be required to generate those kind of outcomes. And that is the reason, you know, when we approach clients, or when the industry is actually looking at building solutions, they are looking at proof of concepts to start with and not a very scalable solution. So that you analyze the solution at the proof of concept stage, you understand the kind of quality outcomes, and then you scale it with that kind of complete data set and get the right infrastructure in place so that the cloud can hold that data 
in terms of training the model and generating those kind of output in the longer term. So right now it's at a very super concept experimental stage for most of the client organizations that we talk to or for the industry at large. Right. Experimenting with it first before jumping into that proverbial deep end and just <laughs> rolling it right out. And speaking to what you mentioned with a company or organization's special sauce, a question I'm going to throw out there, if it can be answered, what kind of experimenting have organizations done in general so far with on that front in, return, in regards to the security and the privacy of data? One of the areas that I and a team that works with me have been focused on are every health plan has a significant number of benefits that they need to manage to. And different co-pays, co-insurance, different rules. And particularly when you get into offering services like self-funded TPA services, every benefit in and of itself is unique to the company that you're supporting. And so health plans have forever struggled with this information. They haven't done a great job in putting it into nice, well-structured data. And so what we've done is we have created some capabilities where we can take the PDF versions of those benefits that they have to provide to every member uh, as part of the Affordable Care Act regulations. And we've said, well, look, there's opportunity for us to take that non-structured data and actually interpret it, read it, and then structure it into a database. And once you do that, you can do a bunch of things with it. You could use it to feed your call center applications with structured responses to questions. You can use it to actually update your claims adjudication engine by coding benefits directly, as opposed to having humans have to do all of that coding. And you can use it as a quality assurance tool to make sure that, in fact, the benefit information is consistent from your PDFs to your customer service applications to your claims adjudication engines. And so that's one example that we're working on right now and actually have been showing some pilots to some of our clients. That's right. And primarily focusing on three specific areas is what most organizations are looking into. One is how do you get Gen AI use cases generated within your existing processes? So within the existing internal processes that we have in terms of HR policies in terms of existing knowledge bases and organizations have. How does JDI get the right kind of output from the existing processes? So experimentation around internal processes is where organizations are focusing on. Secondly, getting the co-pilot or getting human productivity, efficiency, existing projects that are being run or existing deliveries where you can actually analyze or differentiate the kind of productivity that a co-pilot would help versus a human would usually do in the development phases. That's the delivery processes to experiment. That's another area. And thirdly, in terms of actual clients, which business areas within the client organization can target or go from a proof of concept perspective. 
So those are the kind of experiments that most of the organizations today are getting into. And again, as I mentioned, at a very small scale is where we want to start with. From a POC stage to scale further as the model evolves. And as we speak, the model is evolving in areas which might keep growing further. And currently, there are certain limitations as well to see from the model perspective. So as the technology evolves, you know, that's where we will actually understand what are the other areas or what are the deep domain areas that the model can support. Wow. Yeah. Seems like such a new technology, such a new thing when we talk Gen AI. But it's not. I mean, when you start giving examples, there are so many things that it's already doing, already in the field of healthcare. And beyond the data quality and ethical considerations, security, what are some of the pressing challenges that payviders have when it comes to introducing Gen AI into their operations, such as change management and user acceptance? I think the first challenge really is what we talked about in identifying what are you trying to accomplish. So think about it as a business problem, not as a technology problem you're trying to solve. If your focus is efficiency, that will take you one path. If your focus is accuracy, that will potentially take you a different path. And so if your focus is the reduction in the amount of time that it takes for somebody to answer questions or the amount of training that you have to do for that individual, again, that's going to take you yet a third direction. So I always encourage people, what's the best problem you're trying to solve? Know that first. Once you know that, that then what grows from that, of course, is what type of data is needed to solve that problem? Where do I have that data? How confident am I in that data? And how secure do, does that data need to be? Because if you're going to be working with data that's actually going to take member claims information, right, protected health information, and make that part of your AI tool, the level of security that you need to put in place is significantly higher than if all you wanted to do was use AI to analyze your benefits. We should publicly make that information available anyway in many cases. And so you don't have to be as worried at that point about the security of that data. So that's generally the way I view solving that problem. Oh, that's perfect. Starting with why, what is your problem? What are you trying to solve with it? And thank you for laying that out and uh, sort of mapping that out for us because that makes perfect sense. And I mean, are there, I suppose, do you have any case studies, if you will, of how payers have successfully leveraged Gen AI to improve patient care and operational efficiency, like how this has actually been used so far to date? I teased it out when I talked about what we were doing, right? So from a business case perspective, every health plan has to manage benefits. Those benefits, in some cases, have to be filed with the state or the federal government depending on the line of business, or are highly customized to an individual client if they're a third-party administrator or self-funded uh, plan being administered. And pay providers 
generally are involved in all of these, Medicare, Medicaid, ACA, Affordable Care Act, as well as self-funded commercial insurance. And so they have to account for all of these types of benefits and the rules associated with them. What they also have to do in terms of creating the products, making those products available to the members through pre-designed PDFs, is they also have to code those benefits in their claims adjudication engine so that the claims adjudication engine takes the proper co-pays, the proper deductibles, co-insurance, pays the provider the appropriate amount of money, identifies what type of process or procedure is submitted on the claim. And so all of that coding is a very important part. You can imagine the challenge in keeping that all alive. So I create a benefit. So that's done by a product management person. Okay, they usually work in marketing. That product then has to be filed. That's done by a regulatory compliance person. That product then has to be presented in a PDF. That's generally done by an operations person. That benefit then has to be coded in their system for claims. That's generally done by a different type of operations person. Well, it doesn't take a genius to look at that and say, huh, do they ever become disconnected? Of course they do, right? And that creates all kinds of problems. So by leveraging a tool like artificial intelligence, and by being able to take that information as soon as it gets documented and read it in and structure it, you can auto-validate that in each of those steps of the process, it's happening consistently and as it should. And you can reduce error by having the structured data that you've just converted by the unstructured data that you just converted structured data by having that actually auto-code the claim system so that it's properly administering benefit. We've actually, we have a demonstration now where we take a PDF, we convert it using artificial intelligence, natural language processing. We then put it into a structured database. We then take that structured data and generate code that auto sets up the benefit in the target claim system, all being done by technology, as opposed to the old-fashioned way, which is kind of handing the paper down the various departments and having people key it in. And that's the theme that I've heard throughout our discussion today is this AI is this thread that is stringing together these different departments or different areas of hospitals and providers and clinicians and keeping everything together and cohesive, but also adding so much more efficiency to everyone's job too. So I guess if we are betting big on Gen AI in, in healthcare, what are your individual predictions over the next five years? Neha, we'll start with you on that one. Sure. So from my perspective, generating AI holds tremendous potential. I think it's here to revolutionize your entire health industry. Right from your accelerated drug discovery and research to any kind of medical research, which is required for medical academics or provider-based research, which is 
required for personalized treatment plans. Helping the administrative staff or changing the entire operations in terms of getting those productivity efficiencies. The way providers or payers are directly working is going to be a big impact for AI with AI coming in. In terms of assisting physicians at the point of care, helping them in the clinical documentation or clinical decision support. In terms of understanding the entire population, profiling them based on risk categories and creating those personalized care pathways or care plans for the population is going to be another area which is going to be a major impact. And again, from the value-based healthcare perspective, this will be a big area which providers would want to look into. At the back end, in terms of managing the entire operations, having early response times within the call center of operations, as well as avoiding those call waiting times, restricting the longer waiting times for any member or patient queries, and then getting those complex queries replied to assisting these administrative staff from and getting information from unstructured databases at the back end. Those are the areas which we see as maximum impacts, as well as understanding of the natural language, understanding capability that GNAI holds. That is going to be another area, whether it is personalized virtual assistance for the patient or for the physician or for any kind of admin staff. That's an area, again, where you know, generative AI holds tremendous potential. In short, it's going to, from the patient perspective, it will help better access to care, convenience of care, as well as improving the overall outcomes for not only the patient, as well as the providers in general, and eventually helping reimbursements. That's the impact that we see in the market. Yeah, so my prediction is that data-intensive aspects of our business will be prime targets for AI solutions, not as a way of replacing, as we said earlier, people, as much as a way of providing tools that allow those people to become more productive, more accurate, more consistent in doing their jobs. I know that everyone has rushed to the easy solution that, oh, we're going to replace all the call center reps with bots and they're going to answer all the questions. I promise you that companies that go down that path, there will be competitors that very quickly recognize that those are imperfect solutions and that people will want to be able to get to humans and talk to a real human to solve problems. So I would tell any business leader that's looking at that to proceed with some degree of caution there, because you might think, oh, look how much money I'm saving. I don't need call center people anymore. And your clients might say, great, you also don't need me anymore, because it's not giving me the experience I'm looking for. But the other thing I would add is I would say, we really need to think in terms of change management. How do we train up our existing skilled people to use these new tools? How do we build them with them in mind to make their job easier? And how do we invest in getting them to change their processes, the way in which they do their job to take full advantage of these tools? And I think if we do that, it will be embraced and we'll all back on the early days of this and say, wow, you know, the, 
this wasn't as scary or perhaps as we're all still doing many of the same things we do today, albeit we have significantly greater tools in our toolbox to basically support our clients. Yeah. And thank you so much for clearing out some of those misconceptions and talking about those things. I think they're really important and sort of like that initial reaction some people might have, some executives might have when they're they're like, okay, well, I want to implement this technology, but things might seem a little scary, quote unquote. And I think when we look at Gen AI in healthcare organizations as the co-pilot, the helper, the toolbox, the ally to help make the job easier, more efficient, help connect, I think it makes it a lot less scary for sure. So I really appreciate your expertise and just your conversation today and having this discussion with me. It was a real pleasure. Thank you, Laura. Thank you so much. The Shaping Healthcare Podcast is brought to you by Sidious Tech, a leader in healthcare consulting and IT services. To find out more about Sidious Tech, visit SidiousTech.com. To listen to more interesting insights on healthcare technology and innovations, search and subscribe to the Shaping Healthcare Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want to share any feedback or would like to be featured in our podcast, do write to us at SidiousVision at SidiousTech.com.